0: Hi and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Gooden, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on Article 12 of the Oxford Confession. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary.
1: Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back guys. Yeah.
2: We're we're trucking along with repentance. Yes. E- eventually we will repent. You know, right. that, that's the whole thing with repentance is it's kind of like the gospel. You can talk a lot about the gospel without <laughs> having to be the gospel. We talk a lot right. about repentance. without so, repentance. so does that
1: mean we should record like a repentance session? Like uh, who wants to go first? For, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> My humble, self-effacing Norwegian self kind of says we should probably be repenting of this podcast
1: most of the time. <laughs> right. Just don't. Is repentance just saying "I'm sorry" over and over again? No, yeah, there yeah, you that, go. That, yeah. That's that's Norwegian repentance. I got to get that <laughs> yeah. out of my system. Right? Yeah, it's uh, the well. You guys say "sorry" in a different way that I sorry sorry sorry. Yeah, well, it's a long. <laughs> old. It's, your, uh, it's your way North, North Dakotans. Dakotans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's right. It's right. the right way to the say right it. Uh, <laughs>
2: the right way. The most Norwegian experience ever you have in Minnesota is when uh, you are standing in a spot like in the mall. And someone runs into you, and you say you're sorry to them <laughs> for existing. I'm right. sorry I was
1: here. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not
2: repentance. No, <laughs> no,
1: right. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're talking about what repentance is, and we ended our episode last week with talking about the, the two-part definition of repentance being contrition and faith. And so let's start there and um, just start walking through the definition. It's, it's good to define our terms. And to really uh, clarify what that is, so um, Adam, what is what is contrition? Uh, contrition would be the
0: terrors striking the conscience through the knowledge of our sin. So, Jason, you're you're the expert. How would you say that in layman's <laughs> terms? Uh,
2: that was layman's terms because you just read it off my notes.
0: Well, that's... <laughs> I had to go by what you said. You told me to say it. No, yeah. contrition
2: is the knowledge of sin and understanding that that sin is bad.
1: Yeah. Right? So, so so this terror thing, it, it's kind of... You know, we, we brought up the whole uh, ticket Nazi cop person. That, uh, that's <laughs> ticket what, Nazi That's cop. what we called him when I was in high school. Oh, okay. But the, yeah. Anyway, so the cop that's <laughs> uh, sitting outside the high school, you know, waiting for the students to buzz out of... Of the parking lot, uh, w- when you were we saw the lights flash, and you had that flash of horror. That is that kind of similar to this, uh, that terror of conscience. Of, I mean, that's a small yeah. part, but magnified because we're talking about the living, holy, and living God. I, I actually kind of think we get lost in the weeds quite
2: mm. a bit by trying to measure degrees of terror. Oh, sure. So I, I think there's a
1: delineation we can make, but like haunted I, house.
2: Yeah, well, kind of that. But so what terrors of your conscience are is it's not, I'm sorry, I got caught. Mm. And it's not, I'm sorry, you were offended by this thing I did. Mm -hmm. It's that my, it's a matter of conscience, right? It's my Mm -hmm. conscience was pricked because I did something wrong that caused harm. And, and oftentimes we feel that more when we've wounded someone in our life, right? When, when I say something that my wife takes offense to that was, you know, unkind or, you know, we're all pastors and we've all had times when we've spoken loosely as pastors and kind of scandalized a par- parishioner with something we've said or done, you know, coming to that realization. But it, it really comes from a knowledge that God's law is a standard, And I have not met that standard. And at that point, contrition can prick consciences in any number of ways, which we don't want to, uh, we don't want to measure the quality of the contrition or the quality of the terror. What the fact that it's happening, you know, I I think maybe a great way to illustrate this is, uh, baby Christians and not talking about actual babies, baptize your babies, but we're talking about (laughs) people who have had adult conversion experience, haven't been catechized in the faith, Uh, and this happens because we've all been to this Bible college. Uh, and, and, and that's the first time you ever heard about the unforgivable sin. What was the very first thought that you had when you heard about the unforgivable sin?
0: I, I have that. Yeah, I wonder what if, if i did? That. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I did that. And, and, mm-hmm. and this was the,
2: the very th- thought that you're concerned about committing the unforgivable sin means that you haven't committed the unforgivable sin. It's kind of what terror of conscience looks like. As as long as you have Mm -hmm. some awareness that you've sinned, you know, basically what Luther writes in the large catechism, which, you know, we're on the apology in the, in the Augsburg confession now, he's like, God can make use of that. We can work with any level of knowledge of sin. And, and, and that's really the revolutionary launching point from Lutheran and Christian perspective is Uh, If you have this sense that there's a cosmic, all-powerful being out there who knows everything, or at least some sort of human conception that God knows everything, uh, what we want to understand is the role of faith in contrition. Because if there is no expectation that God is going to forgive sins there would be no reason for anyone to confess a sin. You'd just go hide under a rock. Yeah, you'd flee. And and so much of the Old Testament is exactly about that, right? Jonah does it. Uh, Psalm 139, if I go to the depths of the sea, you are there, right? right? Uh, You know, the, the theme of Elijah fleeing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all of the things we try to flee from God. Adam and Eve, the very first response to the very first sin was to try to hide from God and hide the sin from God, right? Right. Uh, Covered up themselves. Yeah, exactly. The, what we are understanding that we're doing is that we confess our sins, we acknowledge that what we've done is sinful because we have this faithful, not the one word, but it's mm-hmm. the, 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 a response of faith. That God is merciful, a response of faith that God is going to forgive sins, and
1: without that expectation, no one would ever confess sins. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like what you said earlier about measuring. We shouldn't measure our contrition, and we shouldn't measure our faith necessarily. I mean, it's it, it doing doing those measuring things look helps us look inward, which is not a, a good place to look, but. Um, contrition and faith, re- repentance all together, the, f- the whole package is looking outside of us and looking to Christ um, who has perfectly accomplished it for us.
0: Yeah, one of the experiences that I have had as a father has been the, the fact that my kids are very much like me. So that whole unforgivable sin piece that we talked about before was a huge. It wasn't the first time I'd ever heard of it. In fact, it was a thing that plagued my conscience growing up. Like I, of course, I've done this, and it would be a kind of an obsessive compulsive thing where I would even think horrible thoughts about the Holy Spirit and then be convinced convince myself that I have done it, uh, that I have committed that. And talking with my my son, uh, who who thinks a lot like me and acts a lot like me, uh, well, he acts a whole lot more mature than I do. I have to give him credit for that. But in terms of his thought life and, and thinking about the faith, his fear has been, does God, Did, did God, I don't feel like my sins are forgiven. I know they're wrong. I don't feel like my sins are forgiven. But where do you go in a, in a moment like that? Well, thankfully, it has nothing to do with how you feel. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it has absolutely nothing to do with how you feel. It's it's what Jesus promised to do. Do you believe that? Yep, I believe that. Well, then it really doesn't matter how horrible Satan wants to, you to feel about your sins. It's what did Jesus do about them? Well, and,
2: and this actually gives us an excellent opportunity to once again talk about the structure of the Augsburg Confession. Because You know, oftentimes that not feeling like you're forgiven is actually deception of Satan, right? Mm -hmm. It's the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can understand it. Right. If we are not, you know, if if we are waiting for our hearts to confirm God's word, that inverts the whole process, right? God's word is true, whether we're, we're, you know all happy about it, or whether we question if it applies to us. And in here, where the Augsburg Confession is ordered, is that the sacraments and the means of grace come before the explanation of repentance. Mm -hmm. Because whenever we make the exercise of our faith about us, we rob ourselves of assurance. And so, like you mm-hmm. said to your son or how we would counsel a parishioner, and I've done this several times as a pastor, well, I don't feel forgiven. That's great. What did God say? And, and even then, what did God say? Literally, what has God done? You know, did, was the water poured over you? Then you're a child of God, and you know the exact moment when that happened. Did you ingest the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Christ? Yes. Well, then you know the exact moment when you were forgiven. And, and, and the, the, the value of the sacraments to confirm the word of God, extra nos, mm-hmm. outside of us, are for exactly the sort of reason why we're confessing sins in the first place, because our hearts are deceived constantly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, introspection will just lead to a lack of assurance and, and perhaps a, a more burdening of, of a conscience. But when we see the that uh, Christ is a firm foundation, that he's a strong, uh, uh, what's a, that uh, illustration that I think uh, maybe Brian Wolfmiller or somebody else uses about walking across ice, You know, where if you... If it doesn't depend on how how strong you feel like you are, it's it's just about the ice. I mean, mm-hmm. how strong is the ice uh, when you're walking along? Faith always has an object. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, it always has an object, and I talk about that, you know, in class when I teach here and different things. I uh, Always, always, always has an object. We have faith in something. Faith is absolutely worthless to create anything in and of itself. It grasps what is already there. Mm-hmm. And the, the, what is already there, when we talk about faith in Christ, is the full forgiveness of our sins. And treating, treating the faith
2: as it is, which is a mm-hmm. historical reality, rather than a, an abstract substance we muster up in ourselves, that is why the focus is on assurance. You know, I, I can be certain of everything in my faith because of 33 AD, 2,000 years ago on a hill outside of Jerusalem, uh, because of the, the regularity of the preached gospel, because of the event of my baptism, is because, and because I can look back to Sunday morning, and there was the body and bl- blood of Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. Now, in this whole process, mm-hmm. we're going to end up talking about absolution. That also is an external answer to our repentance. And, and that's the point of this article, that we're repenting of our sins, we're, we're confessing what's troubling our conscience, and uh, we do so corporately and generically in the divine service. Mm-hmm. We, we do so individually as we have caused offense or as something plagues our conscience. But, but the, the whole thing is, after that, it's always met with the proclamation and application of the gospel. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think we're talking a, a little bit of uh, some of the pitfalls or some of the um, wrong teachings of repentance. And uh, here we, you know, we're thinking of you know back at the time of the writing of the Augsburg Confession. You know, they were thinking about the Anabaptists and the uh, the Novations and, and others. My favorite uh, band from the sixties. Love <laughs> the, the Novations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about no <laughs> wait a second yeah um, but any, anyway you guys want to comment on any of those or any other um wrong views of repentance that we see among us today even in our own circles or i mean we don't have to pick on the general american evangelical people all the time but we, we can just look to the history of the church
2: on this and, yeah. and one of the fun we, we don't return to this well often but we do occasionally uh, and uh, I've got this on my mind because I'm reteaching my way through the Apostles' Creed. But uh, one of the premises that I always teach is that heretics write the theology of the church. And, and we've got to be careful to qualify that. But we don't need to clarify truth until someone screws it up, until someone teaches a falsehood, right? Way to go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so someone comes along and says, well, Christ wasn't God. And now the church has to have a clear confession that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And Someone uh, comes across and, and, and says, well, we shouldn't baptize babies. Then we have to teach the truth of what baptism is. And that's why we baptize babies, right? That's it's how it works. And so the reason why there needs to be a clear teaching of repentance and a clear teaching on absolution is because someone somewhere along the line screwed it up. And one of the places that the Lutherans mention here uh, that will be uh, of of special use is that the Anabaptists, and and we see this now often in the Calvinist wing of the church, talk about eternal security. Eternal security confuses the doctrine of repentance. And in fact, Mm -hmm. in its logical end, it makes repentance no longer necessary in the life of a Christian.
1: Mm. So I wonder if that's kind of where that thought of repentance just belongs to the initial coming to faith. I wonder if that's where it came from. I I think that's part of it. Uh, I think the other half of it
2: maybe uh, will will come up a little bit later. But part of it is that that's just what it's for. But the other part of it is this once saved, always saved, brings us back to the sovereignty of God. Mm. And, and, And the way... Calvinists more or less do an end run around the, well, you don't need to repent is that if someone falls away, uh, then they were never really saved. Right. Right. That's the thing. And so then you still need to be repenting because you don't know, but the outcome is a
0: lack of assurance.
2: Bingo. And, and you know, that's what Jordan and I talked about Mm -hmm. in the interviews is, is you are, when you screw up the doctrine of repentance, no matter where, wherever along the line, you screw it up, what what gets obliterated
1: is assurance. So they need to repent of repent, Ron repenting of Iran view of repentance. Yeah,
2: well, and so <laughs> you say that, and, and there's another uh, famous Lutheran out there, a guy by the name of Rod Rosenblatt. Yeah, and and one of his most famous phrases that he taught is, "We need to repent of our repentance." Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes in the church, we will be repenting to draw attention to ourselves, to draw attention. It's its like the Christian version of virtue signaling, right? Mm, sure. And so even in your repenting, you're not repenting perfectly. And, and so that's the need for constant repentance. But the need for constant repentance comes because there's a constant stream of forgiveness that mm-hmm. we want to be attached to.
0: Yeah, Attached to this too isn't the idea of being simultaneously, you know, Sinner and saint, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That, that just because we are in Christ doesn't mean that we have stopped sinning as we, you know, as our experience would dictate. And I mean, all we need to do is just look in the mirror every morning and, and understand that, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of of needing to repent on a regular basis, regardless, I mean, the, the wrong view is do it once and, you know, it's all taken care of. No, we are, are living in. The, the duality, if you will, of the fact that we are sinner and saint at the same time. And so that's the
2: eternal security way of getting mm-hmm. repentance wrong. We get, we get to that great band, the Novations. Yeah. Uh, they would not offer forgiveness for any Christian that fell into sin. So Christians that would fall away, uh, the, the, where it came up in the early church was after people were baptized— Uh, as adults, then uh, if they fell away from the faith Mm -hmm. committed, what probably the the Roman Catholic Church would go on to define as a mortal sin, Mm -hmm. uh, there was no forgiveness for them. And again, that screwing up repentance, mm-hmm. you know, because repentance happens out of a desire right. for mercy. And, and get us in the passages like Matthew, you know, where Peter's like, how often should I forgive my brother up to seven times? And Peter's like, look at me, ho, ho, ho. And Jesus says, well, not up to seven times, but seven times 70, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and that's not to say Jesus was looking for 490, mm-hmm. 491, you're, you're, you're out. You're keeping a tally sheet, but
1: it's just yeah. like, no, repentance is met with forgiveness. Yeah. Do you, do you guys think that, you know, we have these two parts, the two-part definition, you know, it's it's good to kind of pull them apart to look at both of them at each part, uh, but do we maybe over, overly complicate it by... Doing that, and at what point do we need to pull them back together again to see the the whole picture? Uh, both end, right? Mm-hmm. We we want to separate
2: them so so that we don't, you know, miss the process, right? But if they're overly
1: separated, then you know, again. Uh, like, all right, I've done my contrition. Yeah, now I'm ready for the faith. Yeah.
2: Well, and it, it soon if you separate contrition from faith, there's no actual forgiveness. You're you're just scaring people, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, that that's the same sort of thing as kind of carried on a stick Christianity. Uh, but but if you also separate from contrition and faith, you get to the third big error with uh, repentance, and that's the Roman Catholic view of penance or satisfaction. And, and really, it's surprising. We're not spending a majority of time yeah. on, on the podcast, but that's a, the Augsburg Confession, sure. the Apology... Uh, just a massive amount mm-hmm. of time talking about the problems, problem of of penance and of satisfactions for sin because the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is that Christ takes away the, the, the spiritual or the eternal punishment for sin, but there still remains a physical penalty for sin that you have to pay before you're forgiven.
0: Yeah, I had uh, an experience where I was, I was doing actually some work on... Um, uh, an adult Sunday school class related to uh, Lutheran catechesis, right? So we were we were looking at that. During that time, I had the perfect illustration come up in the news, and it was what uh, Pope Francis was being accused by 40 different scholars from his—Catholic uh, uh, scholars—of being in error— by following the teachings of uh, several different things a lot of it had to do with marriage but there was four pages of this 25 page indictment of what well, wasn't an indictment it's called a filial correction uh, a sonly correction of the pope but four four pages had to do with martin luther and the errors that Pope Francis bought into uh, that were taught by Martin Luther. And one of them was this that, that of all the things, and there were plenty of things that were, were uh, we, we could sit and pick it apart and say that those aren't really what Luther taught, which is true of most of them. But one of them was that, that the Pope said that we are, that, that Christ paid not just for the guilt of our sin, but also for its punishment. So he accepted not only the guilt of our but the punishment. His, his sacrifice paid for both, which is completely offensive to Catholic teaching. It, because that whole idea that he paid for the punishment means that purgatory is not necessary. And, and that was, it was kind of an interesting, uh, kind of interesting relationship there that he was being corrected, and being accused of being too Lutheran. And, in that moment. <laughs>
2: and, and purgatory is the greatest pyramid scheme in the history of the world. So it's a highly <laughs> lucrative source. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous how that works out. And, and you know, uh, one of Luther's heavy criticisms against the Roman Catholic Church and against the Pope is like, okay, let's say that the Pope is the guy who has the authority to forgive sins then why aren't you forgiving sins? There's so many people out there that want to be forgiven. Why are you withholding it? And it's this idea that we have to create another layer so that, we, we, we're just constantly needing proof that people are sincere in mm-hmm. our repentance. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that we don't measure the degree that as long as the, the contrition is there, mm-hmm. we, we meet it with the gospel. We don't meet it with another step and then another step and then another step. Because, again, every time we add or subtract from what repentance is, we're losing assurance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's a little bit of us you know as much as we say we don't want to be catholic or that's too catholic we kind of make up our own versions of of satisfactions for us to do uh, to m- maybe feel like we're forgiven and and uh yeah that's not good so well it's it's an absolute response of the sinful nature. We mm-hmm. do it constantly.
2: It's you know we won't repent until we feel like we're good enough to approach God with our repentance, and so we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll try to make it right, or we'll we'll try to do a couple good deeds to butter God up, or whatever, or mm-hmm. or we'll confess that maybe a part of our penance is that we're Minnesota sports fans, and <laughs> we're, we're, we're not allowed to have nice things, right. you know. But what all of that is superstition, and and I mean. You really want to talk about preaching of the law, all of that superstition is blasphemy because we're accusing God of not being sincere when he proclaims the gospel to us.
0: Or not being enough.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, like you said, that Christ took care of the guilt of our sin, but not Mm -hmm. the punishment. And the reality is that he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. You've got that great exchange where Christ is literally now by declaration of God, the owner of our sin. It doesn't mm.
1: belong to us anymore. Good. Well, this has been a, a good discussion here. Um, any closing comments as we wrap up this episode? No, I think this sets us up nicely for a couple of good Bible studies. Yeah, good. Let's feast on the word. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the
0: web at beinglutheran.com. Join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on Article 12 of the Augsburg Confession. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu.